Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Everybody knows Denver is a fun place to play. It's a hard place to play. Um, they have a good home crowd there. Oh, it's a challenging place to play, so it, uh, looking forward to it. We haven't played our best football as a team in all three phases, you know, whether it be defense, special teams, or offense. I, I think that there's still so much more to improve on. All the guys are getting used to each other, and that's just something that we're going to have to continue to grow, and, and the best football is still ahead. Uh, I think we're close. You know, I really do. I think... You know, I, I continue to go back. The good has been good, you know, and, and uh, we just it needs to show up more consistently. Um, but I do think we're close. We're very close to week five. We're here. An hour is away. Broncos hosting the Indianapolis Colts. Horses versus horses. Let's ride. Let's ride. <laughs> Let's ride. Go get yourself a Subway sandwich and share half with a friend. And, God, that was a weird little commercial from Russell Wilson last week. He got dragged for that, as the kids would say. This is PFT Live presented by Google Pixel on Peacock, Sirius XM 85, tape delay basis on Sky Sports NFL. Podcast audience, hello to each and every one of you. And hello to you, Christopher Sims, on a Thursday as you embark on a three-day weekend that begins tonight with watching some good football and smoking some better weed it will for sure no doubt about that it's just a two-day weekend though i mean if you want to figure out how i can True. get three all right all right then we can we can cut today out i'm all for that and i'll just do you know i'll make it a three-day weekend let me know <laughs> the sunday is part of the football experience right you'd be watching the games anyway just tell yourself that while you're running ragged from what noon until yeah. 1 a.m. Well, we have our 11:30 read meeting, right? Where I always love that meeting. It's like we we got a you know, it's it's the old rehearsal of the rehearsal of the rehearsal meeting, which I always love. Hey, this team plays this team. Oh, that's great. Let's move on to the next. Hey, this team plays this. Good thing we got here at 11:30 to read the schedule. <laughs> you know, so. you were talking about that yesterday yeah. during a break. Right. I said and it's good that no one can hear him. Right. As he but says I said it this. today out loud. Yeah. 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 I couldn't help it. I couldn't. But it, like, <laughs> Sunday is awesome. But you. You know how it is too, right? It, it is like uh, close to the most hectic day of the week. I, I think really it is because 
hey, you and I, we we got to talk about this pretty in depth to where you want to see as much as you can. Context does matter. You don't want to just be a BSer on TV. So I'm, you see me, you know, I'm writing notes the whole time. I got to do the post game show after. I want to be able to explain things in the game that went on without just going, oh, here's a fumble, here's a touchdown. So that's where that day gets, you know, long and, and a little stressful is just trying to keep on top of everything. It really is a crazy experience. And look, we're not complaining about it. We're just peeling back the curtain so people right. understand. This is the height of the first world problem. That while we get paid handsomely to watch football and then talk about it, there is sort of a meat grinder blender on high level of activity, especially for me, it's late in the afternoon. Once oh, that's when you go. I start right. to see how the the early games are resolving. Right. I start and and this is the very delicate balance. Because I start putting out word to the various PR directors, hey, I'd like to get so and so on the phone for five minutes if I can, please and thank you. The problem is sometimes others have already made the request and I have to do the whole, well, you know, we got a pregame show that about 10 million people watch or thereabouts up to you, whether or not you want to give me one of your guys for five minutes. Sometimes that works. Right. Sometimes it don't. Right. But the other side of the balance is you don't want to ask too early because I don't want to jinx anybody. I'm trying to be very sensitive (laughs) to the reality of the jinx. And you know what? I did it to the Steelers on Sunday. Ask for Kenny Pickett when they're up 10 in the fourth <laughs> quarter. Oh, shit. Oh, God, away. here comes the well, Milfinator coming well, down the field. <laughs> yeah. So, so when, when, is, when do you, like, you got to do the dandy dawn, turn out the lights, the party's over, as sung by Troy Aikman on Monday night. Oh, that was Nine nice of him. I like that. Turn out the lights, the party's over. I've never heard Troy but, do that. That was funny. <laughs> But I think Troy's drinking during the games, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> I hope I'm so. I'm just kidding. Joe's drinking during the game. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding about that. I'm drinking during the games. Um, that's the only thing factual that I've just said in the last three minutes. But, uh, well, last 30 seconds, everything else that I was saying about our Sunday experience is true. But it really is like, when do you thread that needle? When do you get in line without applying some sort of Italian curse on a team inadvertently. Right. So, and then, and then it's, okay, who's calling? When are they calling? I'm talking to one. The other one's calling. Oh, shit. Do I hang up? Do I pass on this one? What do I do? Hey, nice talking to you. You got to go. Bye. Somebody more important than you is calling. I mean, it's just, and then you try to, you know, figure out what was said. My son types it all up as fast as he can, which is great. It's incredibly helpful to me because then I can look and see because as cool. it's happening, I don't know what the I don't know what the hell I don't know what's being said. I'm thinking what I'm you know I'm listening, right? But it's not like being imprinted on in my brain. And then it's figure it all out and which snippet are you gonna get onto the show? So that's I mean it's different from what you're doing, but, but it's we've got hectic. we've got like we've got like seven different people who are all in a different process of a different level of activity all high yeah different level of high right. activity right that all comes together in that in that 80 minute show so i just made myself tired talking about no, it. no i know but I, but you know i've gone through stretches where i dread trying to watch nine games at once yeah. and figure out what the hell i'm going to talk about and who's injured who's not how do i get this information how do i get that but it's it's i know it's one day a week and you just give yourself to it for the whole day. You just accept it. That's right. And you get to watch football while you're doing it. And you understand. Coach Garrett said recently, 
I, I'm getting used to yeah. trying to watch nine I'm, games I'm getting, at once. Like, yeah. yeah, I've been doing it for 14 years. Good right. luck. You never yeah. get used to it. You right. just accept that you're only going to see so much. Right. And you'll, you'll pick it up on the back end. Yeah, that's right. You just do, you do the best you can. We lean on each other a little bit. Hey, this happened. That happened in this game. Hey, how did I miss that? How did they get down there at the 10-yard line? And then, you know, oh, hey, it was a run to this guy and a pass to this guy. And you kind of hear it, whatever. I mean, yeah, that's, that's the way our life is. Uh, and there's no question about it. But it, it is a fun day, to your point. It is fun. You never get used to nine games at one. You don't. It doesn't matter how many years you do it. And we're close. That's all I look for. We're close for two things that I know always make my life a little easier. Is that bye weeks, which were, what, two, one week away? That's coming. That cancels out a few 1 p.m. games. And then, which is not happening this year, which is disappointing, is usually, you know, we start to get a feel in this time of the year where a team, oh, they're so horrible, they're already out of it. They're 0-4. I don't need to worry about watching them on film quite as much or being on all their details here for a little bit. So that gives me a little reprieve from some teams. And it, but right now, the whole league is 2-2. Two and two. Uh, or one and three at the very worst, you can't really take anybody off the plate. So that that's the two things I'm looking for for light at the end of the tunnel. See, it's funny because for me, even as much as I would like to peel out maximum 1 p.m. games yeah. and move them to prime time or have them at four. Now, as a fan, if I wasn't doing what I do, I'd want half the games at four o'clock because it would be easier to digest everything if you smooth it out a little bit. But I like maximum one o'clock games for my purposes because greater opportunity. There's going to be something crazy that happens yeah. that I can explain. Right. Some controversy or big call or big play where I can get somebody who otherwise would be an obscure person to talk to on the phone. What happened on this play? Draw out some little detail, something like that. The fewer games at one o'clock. I, you got You got to make. You got You still got to make your chicken salad. Yeah, right. The ingredients shrink a little bit when the buys begin. So for, again, the ultimate in first world problems. How will we ever put together an eighty-minute show that talks all about football after we get paid to watch football all day long? Football, 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 football. Let's get to tonight's football, football game. Now, look, look. I and I feel no compulsion to make this game sound better than it is for our friends at Amazon. And this may be the first time that they encounter some sort of a challenge and try to get whatever number they claim they are getting. Although I'm, I choose to be a little skeptical about some of the numbers we're seeing. I <laughs> no, I not just, you. Look, I'm not, I, I'm skeptical about everything. Yeah, we but know. I, I just, I, I think, I think that the audiences aren't quite as big as they're saying. I think they're trying to speak something into existence here. That's just my own personal opinion. It is not the opinion of the national broadcasting corporation or any of its affiliated companies. However, I think tonight's game is fascinating. I'm watching it. I'm watching all these Thursday night games. Even though the Colts stink and the Broncos feel like they are far worse than two and two, this is one of those, hey, one of these teams is going to put on a show tonight and win this game, and we're going to feel differently about them come midnight tonight and tomorrow morning while you're in your hammock with your pina colada and your bong. Peter King and I will be talking about which of these two teams did something tonight that makes us say, hey, hmm, maybe they do have something. I, uh, that's going to be interesting to see which one it is. I mean, if you make me bet, I'm going to say it's Denver right now. But, I mean, I think there is some interesting storylines here as far as, like, yeah, you know, Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, two guys got a lot of uh, off-season hype, right? Oh, they're going to turn these organizations around. 
You know, and, and to your point and what you're talking about with both teams, I mean, Denver's offense certainly hasn't looked special. It hasn't. And and I think, honestly, Russell Wilson's a big part. You can you can put blame there. I don't, I'm, you know me. I'm never the guy that always just goes, hey, put it on the quarterback, do that. But when I break them down, it's it's not great Russell Wilson play. And then on the other side with Matt Ryan, oh, hey, hey they got the quarterback finally. They've, that's all they've been missing, right? The Colts is the quarterback. And... I don't, well, maybe this quarterback's not the right guy either. I don't know. It's it's still very up in the air as far as him and Matt Ryan is concerned. You know, one, the offensive line's not good. We know that. Okay, that's had issues. Matt Ryan doesn't look as good either. You know, he, he looks, for lack of a better way to say it, a little weaker in all phases of his game, whether that's movement, trying to move around in the pocket, or just his arm in general. Uh, so that's where you know this matchup is really interesting. There's there's a little desperation from the teams. We know that, but there's like quarterback here, you know, desperation and the fact of trying to change the narrative a little bit about how these two guys look when they're supposed to be the shining saviors of these new teams. Let's focus on the Colts and Matt Ryan yeah, first, cool. and then we'll pivot right. to the the better of the two at least for now. Yeah, Ryan fell out of the sky for the Colts. Right. Somebody asked me yesterday somewhere maybe Chicago about I think about the Colts and how long they're going to keep this quarterback carousel going Andrew Luck retires it's Jacoby Brissett then it's Philip Rivers then it's Carson Wentz now it's Matt Ryan until it bottoms out and they're in position to draft a franchise guy who will be the next in the Peyton Manning Andrew Luck chain for, for as lucky as they got to go from Manning to Luck they're now kind of floating through veteran quarterbacks right. doing just well enough that it's never so bad that they say, hey, we can go get one of the best guys coming out of the draft and try to build a new franchise quarterback and contender. Until that happens, this is their existence. And Because here's the reality. If they ever do bottom out the way that they need to to get a franchise quarterback, Jim Irsay probably fires everybody. And it's going to be a new regime that benefits from the horrible season that lays the foundation for a franchise quarterback. I think at this point, if they end up 3-13-1, factoring in their week one tie, I think Frank Wright could be gone. And yeah. even though I think Chris Ballard should stick around, I have a feeling that he'd possibly be gone too. And it's like they did back in 2012. They just kind of press the plunger on everything and start over again. I don't disagree with anything you said there. I, I don't. I think you you know you got three guys there that are certainly. Uh, I, I think if things fall apart, are, are certainly in trouble. I, I would agree with you to a degree that it seems, or to to most of what you said that, you know, yeah, things start going south. It does seem like you know Frank Wright could be in trouble. It does, and then you know Matt Ryan and his status and how we look at him as a, you know, what level of type of starting quarterback we, we, we view him as going into the future. Yeah, I think a lot of that's going to be dictated over what we see here the, the, the next few weeks. You know, Ballard's done a good job. I, I, I mean, I don't look at their team and go, oh, man, you know, they're really deficient in this area. Why can't they ever address it? Do I wish there was some more playmakers on both sides of the ball? No question about it. I do. I think that's one thing that's missing. But I think the team as a whole has been pretty damn good. And as we always say with Chris Ballard, the Andrew Luck thing, I mean, that'll mess up any GM for sure. But as far as it pertains to this year and what they're doing right now, 
you know, and that side of the ball, like what you're talking about. I mean, Matt Ryan, yeah, not good. The offensive line, pitiful. They can't run the football. They're getting dominated. The great big blue wall. I'm going to build a wall. That wall has gotten crumbled down and stomped on. They're not the same up there. They can't open up holes for Jonathan Taylor, and he's not even playing tonight. And then you got Matt Ryan, who, you know, is not a I'm under pressure type quarterback that's going to make magic happen. You know, back to, yes, he's maybe fumbled the ball a lot. You know, it goes back to he looks a little frail to me at, at times. And then there's lack of there's lack of playmakers or anything like that on the Colts offense. That's what scares you, too. You know, that, you know we know, hey, Michael Pittman, he's real good. I really like him. He's not necessarily the guy that's like, oh, wow, he's going to fly by us. we got to double team him and change our defensive game plan. And, and they don't have anybody like that on their, on their offense right now that scares you. They don't score points on offense. If I remember correctly, they're the, the worst scoring offense in football right now. If not, they're like very, very much towards the bottom. They don't make a lot of ton of, a ton of explosive plays. And I think Matt Ryan, where he's at, Mike, is just that he doesn't scare anybody. So defenses don't back up because they go, well, I don't think he can really throw it over our head or make a power throw to scare us. And I think that's the things that jump out to me that are concerning about the Colts right now. Yeah, you know, we just kind of glossed over the fact that Jonathan Taylor is not playing tonight. Shame on me for not mentioning that's all right. sooner. We got there. But ankle injury, he's out. Not even questionable. Right. He is just out. And this is one of those, hey – you get injured on Sunday, you're playing on Thursday. You may have been ready if you were playing on Sunday, but you're not. You're playing on Thursday. This is your short week, short straw. You're not going to be able to play tonight. The Colts are going to be at a disadvantage, to say the least, without yeah. their best player. Their only on home run hitter. Or really on defense. And they don't have Darius Leonard. Shaq Keel Leonard. Yes, Shaquille right. Leonard. Concussion Sorry. protocol. Shaquille Leonard. Concussion, broken nose. He won't play. So a couple of really key pieces of this puzzle that aren't available for the Colts tonight. And, you know, we talked about Ryan. He has been a disappointment. And that's okay. There's no shame in that. The guy has put up Hall of Fame-worthy numbers. No question. Maybe he gets there someday. Maybe he's already done enough to get there. I Between the two teams, because there was a lot of hype and expectation for both of these teams. And and really, when everyone's 0-0, there's just generally more often than not expectation to be good than bad. And then they start playing the games, and we find out. I thought the Colts were going to be a lot better than they are. I wasn't so sure about the Broncos yeah, because of I'm all here, the changes yeah. and all the moving parts. Right. But I really thought the Colts would be better than they've been. They do have a win over the Chiefs. I know there's Colts fans out there saying, hey, give us some respect. <laughs> Folks, they pulled 17 rabbits out of their That's ass right. to beat the Chiefs. They were outplayed, outhit. Everything that out could hit. go wrong right. did go wrong for right. the Chiefs, and the Chiefs still almost won that game. Yeah. You take away... Chris Jones yeah. calling Matt Ryan a filth and flarn, flarn, filth, filth and flarn, right. whatever he said, They're gonna win and the, the Chiefs win that game. Exactly. That one moment, the referee having his delicate sensibilities offended by actually hearing foul language on a football field, who would have ever dreamed right. there'd be foul language on a football field? <laughs> you take away that flag, the Chiefs win that game, and they're 4-0, and and the Colts are 0-3-1. Yeah, that, that's right. And that was, like, like you said, that was the last of about seven or eight things that had gone the wrong way for the Chiefs, some self-inflicted, some bad calls and unlucky, whatever. But you're right. I, I mean, that was the type of win where, wow, the Colts got a win. Man, 
they got lucky. I don't even, you know, we talked about it last week. It was one of those games when it got over, and you're like, how did they actually win the game? Because we never felt like they were in control at any point, you know, or did at any point did I go, ooh, the Colts are hanging in there, and they're, they look like they're actually of the same quality of the Chiefs. No. So it was like one of those where, hey, they won. They got it. Maybe this will get them on track and get them going in the right direction. But you know, then they come out in the Tennessee football game and really lay an egg for really the first two and a half quarters of the football game and finally get some things going. But, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, I think that's, you know, it is, it is a, disappointing, a disappointment. Nobody expected their offensive line to be as bad as it is. I think that's the, the thing that's shocking. We thought for Matt Ryan, he'd be protected, and we knew he didn't have the biggest arm, but he'd be able to, hey, I got time, and I can go through the reads, and I can beat you with my precision and accuracy and timing, and then our run game's scary, so every now and then I'll have a play-action pass, and that'll make me give me a great look to, to make an aggressive throw down the football field and, and you know push the envelope a little that way. But they can't even get to that point, and nor can they protect him to be surgical, or they can get the run game going to go, hey, now we got some looks here that where we can take a shot down the football field and I mean who would have who would have thought this I mean really Colts offense not that good the worst scoring offense in football I mean that that's where I just never would have imagined and then of course all the sacks and all the turnovers every game it's mistakes and things like that so they're a mess on that side of the ball and we'll see if they can get it right tonight not going to be easy against the Denver defense which we know is kind of the real deal Two more quick observations before we pivot to the Broncos. One, as you were talking about the various things that happened to help the Colts beat the Chiefs, I was reminded of a saying, and I wish I remember how old I was and who I heard this from, but from time to time you hear, it's better to be lucky than good. Right. And frankly, that's bullshit. It's always better to be good. (laughs) Because over the long haul, good prevails. That's right. Lucky, lucky may help you once One day. in a while. Right, right. Good is going to help you all the time, except those occasions, rarely, when you're incredibly unlucky. I'd much rather be good than lucky. Secondly, yeah. talk about that offensive line and the right. wall that they built. The anchor of that wall was Quentin Nelson. Yeah. It is Quentin Nelson, supposedly. Uh-huh. I think back to the night before week one, the news breaks that he gets his big contract, and he said after the tie to the Texans, He was pissed off it took so long. He didn't want to be thinking about his contract the night before the first game of the season. And I just wonder whether the experience of having to face, I'm entering the last year of my contract, I play this game in a physical way, I'm subject to injury, everything could be gone in the blink of an eye. Are they going to get me taken care of? Are they not going to get me taken care of? Those thoughts, once they're in your brain, are they difficult to eradicate? And has he been knocked wobbly in some way by the fact that he was staring down the barrel of playing week one without the security that he thought he was going to have? And, you know, maybe he felt like he was strung along and, you know, all, all sorts of different motivations creep into someone's brain. But I just can't help but wonder whether or not running that contract all the way up to the night before week one messed him up just enough that he's not his usual self. So the Colts aren't their usual self on the offensive line. I don't know. There's got to be an explanation for it, but I keep. I keep thinking of his comments where he came out and said, I'm pissed off. I'm pissed off. 
that this went up until the night before the first game. Uh, I'm sure. I mean, it doesn't help. That's for sure. It doesn't. I mean, we know. We, we've talked about this. These are humans. And I know everybody always, like, the public always looks at it and just goes, oh, you know, they're lucky they're playing football and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, push right. The, I mean, when you're a robot, push the yeah. button and go do your well, job. When you're living us. it, it's not like that. And you have a short window and you got to maximize. And, of course, you want to be compensated fairly and respected and all those things and human emotions you know, a real aspect of this. So people can't judge that. And of course, I think that does affect them. And, you know, then we also, when you have that type of contract, you know, you go under the microscope a little bit. Nelson did not have his best year last year, but you thought, okay, well, maybe it's just a little bit of a down year. This year, it's been good. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's dominant though. It's not like the Quentin Nelson that you know, we, we grew accustomed to seeing where we just went, man, when they run behind him or you don't have to worry about pass protection, it doesn't matter. It's rock solid. It doesn't matter who's over there, what team, what defensive tackle, it doesn't matter. He's not that dominant like he was. Now, we'll see if he can get back to it. And there's a lot of issues across the board there that I'm sure are affecting him as well. But, you know, Mike, I don't, I don't think your point's crazy. I think there's certainly some, you know, validation to that and what you're saying. Something's happened to that big blue wall that Jimmerce paid for, and he's got to be wondering, what have I paid for? Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, the Broncos paid a lot for Russell Wilson, both in draft picks and the contract that he got not long before the regular season began. Russell Wilson, Mr. Unlimited, has been limited <laughs> all week with his shoulder injury. And, uh, of course, he's going to play. The question is, how will it affect him? We haven't seen the best of him yet. We've seen it in flashes, the drive against the 49ers right. where they won the game. That's it. That's when it was old school Russ, running the ball, climbing the pocket, using his legs, finding a way to to be faster and more nimble and agile than the other guys around him. But – for the most part, it's been uninspiring. For the most part, these Broncos have not been what Broncos fans demanded. I remember in our initial power rankings, I had them at 19, and I was starting to be fearful that I was going to get a box from somebody in the 303 area code that was maybe ticking. Uh, they were not happy with me. So, look, 2-2, two and two, squarely middle-of-the-pack team on the – bottom half of that middle of the pack I would say they're not they're not a great team right now and they have a lot of injuries going into this game Javante Williams out for the year Melvin Gordon takes over as the number one tailback they've got Mike Boone who I think should probably get plenty of opportunities tonight especially with Melvin yeah. Gordon fumbling the ball right. four times in four games they picked up Latavius Murray from the Saints practice squad as well yeah, good pickup but they've just they've just got to get something going that makes us say this is why they gave up all that money and all those draft picks to go get Russell Wilson. Because right now, sorry, Russ, but Geno Smith looks a hell of a lot better than you do through four games. And I know there's 13 games to go, but so far, quarter of the season, kind of. Geno Smith making the Seahawks look smart for drawing the line in the sand with Russell Wilson and saying we're just not going to continue this pay you franchise quarterback money because we don't regard you as franchise quarterback. Seahawks so far have been vindicated. Well, yeah, they have, no doubt. I mean, their offense has been more explosive, especially through the passing game. Explosive and surgical. You can say whatever you want, consistent, anything you want. I mean, again, you know, Geno Smith, as I was trying to tell people, right, during the preseason, there's some real tangible skill to the guy. 
We'll see if it holds up, but there's talent there. There is. And then he's he's putting it all together right now and tearing people up. He, what is the second rated quarterback in football? You know, I know rating doesn't say everything, but it says something and it tells you he's playing good football. As far as Russell Wilson's concerned, yeah, Mike, I mean, you said it. They're not paying, you know, 40 north of 45 million dollars a year for the 21st offense in football and, you know, a passing offense that's not good right now. I mean, they, there's no consistency in the passing game. Now, the, the, now, to me, like they have a little more hope than the Colts or potential. We know their defense is really good. The Colts' defense is good, too. But I think there's you know more dominating playmaking factors on the Denver Broncos' defense. And for the Colts' offense compared to the Broncos' offense, there's, a, I, I think, at least more potential here to be had. There's no doubt about that. We know they run the ball pretty effectively. But, like, they have guys on the outside. Where we talked about the Colts where, wait, there's nobody that scares you and Matt Ryan's arm doesn't scare you. Russell still has a big arm. And then Jerry, Judy, Sutton, K.J. Hamler, I mean, they're, they're scary. I mean, they are. He had a big post to K.J. Hamler last week just right down the football field. But the problem with, with Russell right now is something that we've talked about a lot. These plays right here, passes over the middle, are few and far between. And then, Mike, here's my other issue, because I really watched this game thoroughly on on Tuesday on film. You know, if it's not one-on-one or the first read, like you saw right there with that throw, Russell Wilson doesn't complete any passes other than that. If it's not one-on-one down the sideline or one-on-one shot ball for a post or, hey, I know that offense and it's rooted in a lot of Gruden and Shanahan stuff, right, With, with, uh, with Nathaniel Hackett, where I plays where I go, okay, this is the first read. If he's not wide open, then nothing's going to happen in the passing game. It's not. He's not going to go to the second, the third, the fourth receiver. Really, it's it's the second. What does week. he do though? What does he do? If the first guy's not right. there, what's he doing? He's he's like he almost goes right down to the rush and starts to look around and move and try to scramble and then tries to throw a short pass. And really, it's it's uh, it's more than a handful of times in every game I've watched so far on film this year where I come away going, there's six, seven, eight, nine plays every game where I go, this play's called for this coverage. You know, these guys are open here. Yeah, the first guy might have not been open, but man, two, three, and four are wide open. What What exactly is he looking at? Why didn't he pull the trigger and do it? And there's a little of that where I'm sure he's still getting used to the offense and whatever else, but that to me is the concerning point where, you know, we can look at the Colts and say, yeah, Matt Ryan's getting old and the offensive line's not good. Right now with the Broncos, I don't say those things. I just go, Russell's not playing very good, period. There's plays and completions to be had, and they're having to basically run the ball and just hope he can make a play every now and then right now instead of running a consistent offense that can pick you apart like a $47 million a year quarterback should. And I take no pleasure in this whatsoever because I made no prediction about what was going to happen. Yeah. The point that we made all along is that Russell Wilson wanted he wanted to be it. the straw Man. that stirs the drink. He wanted to be Mahomes. He wanted to be Josh Allen. He wanted to be Aaron Rodgers. And the Seahawks never viewed him that way. The Seahawks, who knew him better than anyone in the NFL ever would or could, made the assessment we're not going to set this thing up to run through you. That's where Let Russ Cook came from two years ago when they were great early in the season. Oh, he's never had an MVP vote this year. He may get all of them. And then it all fell apart because the defenses started to adjust and they couldn't pivot 
when they started to take away whatever they had cooked up in the offseason to allow allow Russ to cook. I, I remember being told, yeah, if Russ if Russ if they don't let Russ cook, he's going to go find a different kitchen, and he did. That leads me to another point, Chris. Yeah, it was after that 2020 season that we saw miserable Russ watching Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes in Super Bowl 55. Right. We started to hear Russ talk about his unhappiness with certain things in Seattle. And then came the very memorable exchange between his agent, Mark Rogers, and Shefty. Hey, Rogers says, my client wants to stay with the Seahawks. However, in the event that he were to be traded, he would waive his <laughs> no, trade, no trade clause for the unprecedented, unprecedented. The Bears, Raiders, Cowboys, Saints, Saints. And I mentioned the Saints for one very important reason. Yeah. Well, for two. Number one, the former Saints coach Sean Payton is available, so you better mind your P's and Q's there, Nathaniel Hackett. Secondly, Payton was on with Colin Coward earlier this week. Right. And they asked Payton what he would do with Russell Wilson. Oh, let me hear this. What he said was, yeah. he, said, he said, first, I'd want to cut up of all of Russell's past plays of 30 or more yards from the field. I'd want to know, I'd want to see, are there schemes that he's – more comfortable with. I know they did a great job in Seattle of bringing him off of a naked bootleg and then pulling up, and we all saw that throwback to Tyler Lockett, 60 yards in the air. I'd want to see all those plays. Then I'd want a look at another film of his red zone touchdown passes inside the 20. All of his red zone touchdown passes inside the 20. So I'm asking my assistants, give me his greatest hits, and then we have to make sure we've got the same song lyrics available in our offense. That's what Sean Payton would be doing right now. Basically, the best of the best that worked in Seattle, we got to get that into our offense in Denver because it's currently not there. It's 100%, and I want to get to this because, it, 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 I mean, it is a, it's an interesting thing. There's no doubt about it. And it's something like I, that's what I said similarly at the end of my notes with this where I basically said, like, the 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 Seattle I mean not the Seattle the Denver Broncos yeah it's it's a little concerning like we've talked about with the lack of offense it is you know I mean again we know week one the second half it was good week two right the Houston Texans who were not ready to write home uh, to say hey that's one of the best defenses in football in fact it's one of the worst they couldn't throw the football week three the 49ers good defense still couldn't throw the football but then there's last week too and the Raiders, again, another defense, nothing to write home against. And, you know, they had favorable field position the whole game. And it's just too spotty. And to what Sean Payton's saying, and one of the things I wrote to sum up kind of my two pages of notes on the Broncos offense was, wait, either Russell's got to start playing better and understanding the offense and really get into the intricacies of, you know, knowing and trusting the offense and going through the reads and wait, you know, he's some plays he's on the wrong side of the field where I go, wait, no, on this coverage, you got to be over here. You can't be over there. And again, I know this is a learning process, but I said either he's got to get better and trust the offense and read it and play in the pocket the right way without looking around and doing that at the first guy's not open or to Sean Payton's point, they got to devise a system of just one-on-one ball on the outside and take shots down the field. That's really what it is. I mean, it's got to be one or the other, and I don't know where it goes. I don't think it's going to be truly realistic to do the latter part that I'm saying here, one-on-one shots and just shots down the field to devise a whole offense around that. You know, but, but at the very least, it's disappointing right now. You know, we just talked about Matt Ryan, the third worst scoring offense in football is the Denver Broncos with Russell Wilson. What? 
They're one of the worst, if not the worst, with first downs in all of football. They're they are they are third to last in football. I mean, that's just it's it's unacceptable with one, the coaching they have there and the offense, and the offense is good. I don't look at that offense, Mike, and go, oh, wow, it doesn't give you any answers. I mean, it's he, Nathaniel Hackett, you know, you, you can say what he wants, and I know he's made his mistakes. It's not a stupid or bad offense. And then, you know, and, and so I look at that, and then you go to the talent like we were talking about, Mike, and you go, well, there's, there's talent. You know, they got matchup issues there. They should not be where they're at. And I'm never one to just sit here and go quarterback, 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 but this is one where it's a lot quarterback. It is for what you're paying and what you're expecting from this kind of guy who, like you said, wanted this type of, you know, challenge. And here's the most important point, I yeah, believe. Right. We were led to believe throughout the offseason, whenever Nathaniel Hackett would speak on this topic, they were constructing an offense specifically for right. Russell Wilson. Yeah. Accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, do the things he does well. Do you get the impression they've done that? And if they haven't done that, it sounds like they haven't done that. Why haven't they done that? Did they maybe realize this guy isn't the guy to build an offense around? We just need to plug him into our offense? I, because it feels like they're just plugging him into the offense rather than building the offense around him. Well, I, I, no, I think they are building it around him to a degree. But there is still just certain situations where you've got to be able to run the offense and do that. And where, where I would believe the disconnect happened, and I've heard this, you know, even from people in Seattle over the years, where, you know, practice, we get this coverage, and he throws it and does it and makes the aggressive play and, and goes to the right spot. But for whatever reason, when you get in the game – Things change a little bit. So you think, oh, wait, he's got this. He's comfortable. He's good here. And then the game comes around, and there's a little reluctancy to pull the trigger on a consistent basis. He's a shorter quarterback, so you're going to have issues with that, like we've talked about. And, you know, there's a little bit more rush watching that goes on. And I think that's where they're kind of figuring out, wait, okay, wait, we got to figure out. He, play, he practices like this, but he plays like this. So we got to kind of find the middle here. But, like, with the outside, they're trying to find shots to take down the field. They are, you know. But but teams, of course, are a little ready for it because they know that's, like, the one thing right now in their passing offense that can hurt you, right, is that. So they're going, wait, when they get one of these running sets and it looks like they might run power football, let's be a little safe here because this could be the play-action Cortland Sutton post down the middle, right? So teams are a little ready for it. And then they are trying to throw the ball outside and make things good for him. But I did a play on social media yesterday, and there was probably six, seven, eight more plays that I could have shown in the Raider game alone to where I'd go, there's guys here open outside the numbers, and we're just not getting there as an offense or Russell Wilson. And that, that to me is, you know, that, that I'm putting more on him than Nathaniel Hackett is what I'm telling you, I guess, basically, yes. We, I'm choosing my words here carefully. Yeah. We saw last Thursday night that Richard Sherman, who has a long history of hating Thursday night football because it requires players to play with limited opportunity to rest and recover. Oh, now he's going to get to talk about Russ. Not, not delve into his, his true feelings because he's sitting at the desk collecting a check from Thursday night football. I'll let others decide whether and to what extent that's hypocritical. Second, yeah, he doesn't like Russell Wilson. He gets a chance to crap on Russell Wilson tonight. And I've seen some of it on Twitter subtly. And, and he, he has a podcast and he was 
going in on Russ after the week one game saying that, hey, Peyton Manning would have called a timeout there amid all that confusion in the game against the Seahawks. I just I wonder how much they're going to tee Richard Sherman up tonight. Yeah to go after the deficiencies in Russell Wilson's play. Even if it's just a conversation like we're having. Yeah, now. right. Will he do that? Will he shy away from it? Let's see. Let's see. He's, he's very big on reacting to criticism by saying, let's have a face-to-face conversation with that implicit intimidation. I mean, Richard, we're adults here. We know what you mean when you suggest, let's talk about it face-to-face. You want to intimidate people with your presence. I get it. Let's see what happens tonight when he's face-to-face with a camera. Let's see what he says about Russell Wilson. Very curious. Oh, I can see that happen. See how that plays out. Fitzpatrick is going to break it down. I mean, he will. To where I, you know, I, I would imagine this conversation happens a little bit. But you're right. It's going to be interesting to see how delicate or you know how deep they go into the subject. But you know, usually Fitz is pretty good about finding you know the right theme with the quarterback and maybe what we're missing or talking about or whatever that way. And you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him show a few of these plays I'm talking about, and then. Now, hey, hey, Richard Sherman, what do you think? And then he goes off. So that'll, that'll definitely got me tuned in uh, in the pregame tonight on Amazon. Count me in from those numbers. Quarterback, <laughs> from, 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 oh, they will. They'll count you about 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> um, on, on all devices, not maybe on, but owned uh, will be counted. Um, anyway, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, please. Don't, I, I got a busy day. I, I, Amazon, I'm just, I'm just joking. Don't, I don't need to be getting text messages and emails all day. Okay, uh, from two quarterbacks who are aging and aren't getting it done to two quarterbacks who are aging and still getting it done, let's talk a little Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers before we take our first break. Cool. First, Brady, the injuries are accumulating. Mm-hmm. He's got the right ring finger, and it is the throwing hand. Somebody tried to email me or text me yesterday, say, no, it's his left hand. No, it's his right hand. It right. is the ring finger on his throwing hand and his right shoulder. He did not practice on Wednesday. Now, remember, Sunday splash from a couple of weeks ago. He's never practicing on Wednesday again, no matter how many more years he plays football. And then he practiced immediately the first Wednesday after that because they picked up Cole Beasley, who, by the way, has retired to spend more time with his family. I wonder if that registers with Tommy. So, which was just a weird little curveball yesterday Cole Beasley is retired just gone just done see you later right Brady didn't practice uh and he's also trying to avoid his first three-game losing streak since 2002 which is amazing yeah it's an amazing accomplishment I think they'll be fine against the Falcons and obviously he'll play but Chris I'm worried about one injury two injuries where's the next one going to come and is this that moment that I was told about five years ago once the legs keep him from getting away from taking those hits, right. the injuries are going to start to pile up, and he's just going to be done. I, I, I hear you. And then, you know, again, we, we talked about Matt Ryan and how he looks. I mean, I, I don't think there's anybody in the football world that doesn't think Tom Brady looks a hair more frail this year than years past. I don't mean that to be disrespectful. His arm is still big time and everything. But I think that's, you know, more to the point, too, Mike, of what you're saying here is why they have to – I think continue to work and play an offense that they won the Super Bowl with and not the offense last year where he can't at this age be dependent on, or I wouldn't want to if I'm the head coach, of having a 45-year-old back there and we got to throw it 45 times a game for 400 yards to win the game. That's how they played last year. You know, I don't think it sets up for their ultimate best football team and way to play. And as we've seen too, 
you know, yeah, he's going to take hits. He's not a quarterback that's great under pressure as far as getting out of it, backyard football and all that. And, yeah, that's why I think the running the football, play action pass, play through the defense is something that Todd Bowles wants to do. But, yeah, I, I'm with you, Mike. We've got, we've got to keep our eye on this a little bit because he is getting hit a little bit this year. There's, that's for sure. Can we run that video again? Yeah. Because, look, and, and this is the greatest of all time. I know. At any position in the National Football League. But he's 45. And, and I don't care how much avocado ice cream you eat, how much pliability exercises you do, you're 45. That is not a devastating hit. We have seen guys take far bigger hits all the time. This is not like, oh, he's going to be hurt. I mean, he is getting banged up. By fairly ordinary hits, Chris, that's my concern. Yeah. This is not this is this would not have made it to jacked up. Remember they used to do that on ESPN? Yeah, right. This would not have made it to jacked up. He did not get jacked up, but his shoulder is effed up. Yeah. Well by a fairly routine hit. That's what my concern is. Again, I hear he's 45. You. And I, I applaud literally, this isn't phony golf clap. It's amazing that the guy's got the courage to go out there with guys half his age and younger. And face that that risk. And it is a little crazy that he can't just give it up and walk away. Because he probably should. He probably should have already. And he probably should right now. But, man, these th- that, was not, that was not a, oh, he's going to feel that tomorrow type of a hit that John Madden used to say. Yeah, right. It was just a fairly routine. It, he didn't, it wasn't even it, – it, 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 I mean, No, it wasn't crushing. It, 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 was, it was nothing. No, no. I think, I think the, the, the thing that, that you know, I look at, at least as a, an ex-quarterback and thrower, is his arm got caught in a little bit of a weird spot. That, that's where I, I don't know if it's necessarily – the 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 actual force of the blow, but the fact that the arm was like this and kind of got jammed into him a little bit, that's where quarterbacks can get hurt or get a sore arm because it can mess with that rotator cuff or the joint a little bit. I'm imagining it was more that than anything, um, but you know, again, I, and I don't think you're wrong with your point there. He's tough as hell. He's still amazing. He can still throw the ball at an elite level. There's no doubt about that. But I think, you know, again, that's been the kryptonite of their football team. You know, we saw that there. When they play a team and we got a – whoa, they have a good front and a creative way to get pressure and stuff like that. That's, to me, why they can't beat the Saints or beat the Rams, you know, why they struggled against, you know, even Washington last year because they had a front four that could kind of get there and do some things. And it becomes like, okay, wait, when we throw the ball all the time – and, and play that way against these type of defenses, they, they don't beat them. You know, when they went on their Super Bowl run, it was two tight ends, run the football at the end of the year, and then boom, play action pass, Gronk, Mike Evans, all that, and then he was protected so he could stand back there and not worry about it. They got to get to that level of play, I think, to your point, for a 45-year-old quarterback to protect him for the long haul of the season – and I think ultimately that'll be their best way to maximize what they are as a football team if they want to get to the Super Bowl. Get through these 17 regular season games, position themselves for favorable matchups, if possible, in the postseason, and see if they can get back to a Super Bowl and win it. And if they would do it, this is the time for him to walk off into the sunset. I really do think he needs to call it a day after this season, regardless of what's going on personal life. Because now the theory is going around, hey, if he and Giselle are splitting up, he can keep playing. Even then... Don't keep playing. I think he needs to call it a day because 46, 47, it's fun to think about it. It's amazing to watch, 
But I, I just think that, that we're seeing that it's time for Tom Brady to move on to something else, specifically calling games for Fox. Here's Aaron Rodgers talking about the possibility of moving on for one very specific reason as it relates to the quality of the players to whom he is throwing the football. Have a listen to Rodgers from his midweek press conference. There's going to be a lot of benefits to be reaped from, from those guys. So I'm sure long after I'm gone, those guys are going to have an opportunity to, to be here and play and play in the second contracts. But it's about development, really, for them. It's about their mental approach, especially, like I said yesterday, year one to two can be a big jump. Two to three can be an even bigger jump. So it's just understanding what it means to be a pro and figuring that out. And, and hopefully, I think every young player should lean on an older guy and get some advice. I think as older guys, we love to to share the mistakes that we made with, our, with the young guys so they don't repeat those things. And things that work for us as a young player, things that didn't work, things we'd like to see them do, I think is really important passed on that knowledge. But, look, my decision when it comes down to it will be uh, obviously the physical part, the mental part, seeing where the team is at. Look at the defense. A lot of guys are signed for multiple years now. That seems to be intact for a while. They've got a good core in the offensive line, some young guys. Obviously, two great backs who are still under contract. There's some moving pieces, but, you know, that'll factor in for sure. But seeing the development of those guys, uh, you know, can't help but be a part of the decision. There's a lot there. There is a lot there. And in a weird sort of way, he's putting it on them. He's putting it on Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. You guys got to get your act together. You got to start coming to me and asking me for help. That's implicit in what he said. These kids aren't coming to me and asking me what they can do. What are you doing to get yourself to your maximum level of achievement as quickly as possible? And if you don't do enough, I'm not going to be here. So if you want me here, you better get your act together and you better get yourself to the point where I'm confident that you're developing. It's a you thing, not a team thing. It's a you thing. And if I'm gone, you're going to be one of the reasons why I'm not here. Well, that, I mean, that pressure is not going to go away. I mean, that, that's why he is who he is. And, you know, he mother F's the center and snapped the effing ball and all that. I mean, he he's drives a hard bargain there. You know, he is the captain of that ship in Green Bay, whether you like it or not. But But the other thing I think that's positive about it is, you know, to me, the start of the conversation there, and it and it, it speaks differently than it than it reads a little bit. It's just that he's. It sounds like he's seeing hope. He's going, you know, hey, the years to come, these guys got talent and all that. I, I think maybe he's coming around a little bit, especially after last week with Dobbs going. The the damn guy can beat anybody, man to man. I mean, he he can do it. And Watson has that type of talent too. I think he's just a little bit more raw. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, he's putting it on them to continue to develop because I think he's putting the hot poker on them. But at the same time, I took it a little bit as like, I think he looks at it and goes, wait, these guys got a little talent here and maybe, you know, they're giving me something bright in the future to look at a little bit. I, I, I took it that way too. Am I crazy to, to take it that way? No, no. Yeah. Or it could have been, it could have been he put the pillow on the ground before he hit him over the head. You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. really, yeah. he praised them, but then, and then basically it was, hey, you kids. You better keep it you going. Better, you, you, better, you better keep your head low and do what needs to be done and focus on what it takes to develop. And, and I, the big takeaway for me is, why aren't they coming to me and asking me for help? And maybe they're afraid of you. Maybe they don't want to tiptoe down the hallway to have an audience with the great and powerful Wizard of Oz. That may be part of it. They're intimidated by this guy. 
I would be if I was 21, 22 years old, and I got this gray beard, 38-year-old quarterback that's yelling during the game, snap the effing ball, and has this very mysterious ayahuasca-fueled demeanor, <laughs> and, and, and you never know when you're going to get some sort of a snarky comment from him that he probably thinks is no big deal, but to the recipient, it, it is a big deal when you're kind of dressed down with an offhand remark, and we, we've, we know he's capable of that kind of, of, you know, a quick, cutting, sarcastic observation. So they're probably afraid to say anything to him. He, he's like, hey, um, come on, come, you know, come seek my help. And they're, they're hiding under a rock. They're, yeah. They're afraid well, to come out. I would, again, I would be. Yeah, that's well, you know, hopefully he can, you know, break through that a little bit. Or that, that's where a quarterback, you know, is the time you get off the field can soften that and soften that whole relationship a little bit. You know, he needs to get them over the house on a Thursday night and have two fingers of tequila and like cut loose a little bit and, and let, let it, let them know him a little bit. That to me is always the way to go. That's to me where, you know, a lot of the great quarterbacks have that magic of just being able to balance the human being out a little bit. And I think Rogers has that. I do in a lot of ways. I do, you know, whether he has the patience for a really young guys like that, that's a different conversation. I think what you're speaking to a little bit, but you know, if he wants to play another two or three years and really maximize these guys and the way Dobbs is coming on and the way Watson looks like they, they can be dangerous if they can get them going here in the next five, six, seven weeks, they could be like, uh-oh, Green Bay's defense, and now these two guys with three rockets up their ass running down the field, watch out. This is a different football team. And that's where I, you know, he's got to cuddle them and bring them under his arm and, and make them feel like they're his best buddies in the world. As professional broadcasters, I believe we should be strong proponents of from time to time enunciating and articulating the T's that are infused into the words that we choose to utilize however if you're going to go soften twice <laughs> I did so. in 10 seconds <laughs> that's a commitment to articulating and enunciating t's that i have never seen before so somewhere there is a society an organization a group that pays close attention right where is that group which this broadcasters english enunciate their t's <laughs> you have won their award for 20 22 <laughs> with Softin twice. Let's take a break. Von Miller seems to know where Odell Beckham Jr. will be ending up. I think it's the place we all think he's going to end up. We'll end up talking about that when PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel, continues right after this. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.